Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. The My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is your local source for the latest news and information on fishing Cape Cod. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast here from myfishingcapecod.com. I'm your host, Kevin Collins, wishing you a happy new year. This is going to be our first podcast of the 2022 season here on MFCC, and we've got a great show in store for you today. It's going to be one of our interview-style podcast formats, and our guest is going to be Eddie Kuyunjian of monomoytackle.com. But as usual, our first guest on today's podcast is going to be MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins. Ryan, how are you on this chilly afternoon? I'm doing great, Kevin. It is kind of chilly. I'm actually outside right now, but the air feels great. And I think we might get some snow tomorrow. Speaking of snow and feeling festive, the last podcast we did was right before the Christmas holiday back on the 23rd and 24th of December. And we had a little bit of a call to action for our listeners, encouraging folks to leave reviews on iTunes. How did we make out with that? We made out pretty well, Kevin. And as promised, if you left a review, your name went in to a drawing and we have some winners of my fishing cape cod hats so one of them left a review and left his name belty and i think that's probably mfcc member nick beltramini and the other review kevin i i'm i don't have a name for that one yeah so i know we just wanted to ask if you left a review to send your mailing address to ryan at my fishing cape cod.com and i'll get those hats in the mail for you yeah and again that's ryan at myfishingcapecod.com. Send your mailing address, your shipping address, and Ryan will get those hats out to you. Now, Ryan, moving along on today's podcast, another thing we talked about pre-Christmas were some of the website improvements that you've been working on before you head to Costa Rica. How's the progress report on that? Pretty well, making progress. And technical stuff is a challenge sometimes. But the website, if you go on, it's got to have a little fresh look to it little new design. I'm hoping it will be quicker, and it's something i got to be working on all winter and early spring to get the site in tip-top shape for the start of the spring season. Now, I know another thing we want to talk about on today's edition of the podcast is just kind of a, a sneak preview of upcoming content. I know the forum is always kind of a flutter and a buzz year-round generally. There really is no off-season for the forum, and there's just so many different topics, whether you know, I, I know when I popped my head in there last time, there was even folks doing birding and bird watching. So there really is no off season for the forum. But talk about the, the main body of the website and some other upcoming content and articles that'll be coming here in the early part of 2022. We've got some great guest blog posts coming from members of my fishing Cape Cod. And in particular, I'd like to highlight a post that has got to go up next Wednesday. It's about South Shore, Massachusetts season in review with my fishing Cape Cod member, Robbie Griffin. So we're leaving Cape Cod for a South Shore season in review. We also had a great 2021 fishing memories blog post go live yesterday on the website. And that highlighted a lot of our members' most memorable fishing moments from this past season of fishing. And we have a lot of new things coming, but one in particular that I'm excited about is I'm sharing my sea robin eating experience. And this is a big blog post with some videos and tips for 
touching sea robins, which many of us have no problem doing, but also filleting and eating sea robins. Because, Kevin, they're an undervalued fish, and I enjoyed eating them this past year. Another thing you've got coming up here on the horizon is your trip to the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. That's going to be coming up. You're departing in another 10 days or so. I know you've been really kind of packing gear and getting ready for that trip. How's the preparation been going? It's uh, great. (laughs) There's not a heck of a lot that we need to do, honestly. Just grab a bag. I've got to grab some fishing lures and see what I can do down there. We're going to go to a different area right on the tip of the Osa Peninsula, pretty much the end of the road, almost in Corcovado National Park. So I'll be blogging from there. I hope to do some fishing. Hopefully I'll have some good luck. But I love Costa Rica because I love being out in nature. And for me, when I started my fishing Cape Cod, it was more about catching the fish It's still about catching the fish, Kevin, but it's a lot more about just being out in nature. I know you can relate to that as well. Absolutely. It's about the whole experience of just kind of connecting with not only the earth, but the water and the ocean. And I know one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most, I'm hoping you're bringing all your GoPros and everything down, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I just wanted to make sure because those of us that can't make it down there, This year, we want to be able to live vicariously through you. I want you to enjoy yourself somewhat, but I'm hoping for, you know, a taste of what your experience was like while you're down there and and viewing some video and cool photos from from your trip. Absolutely. I'll be sure to be blogging about it, and I appreciate everybody who enjoys following along. Now, the last podcast we did for 2021, we did kind of a, a little bit of a season recap, and this podcast is going to be a little bit different, Ryan. We're leading off with you, but it's going to be more of a, our long-form kind of interview-like podcast. Introduce them to the audience for us. We've got Eddie Kujman, who's cousin Eddie in the forum. He's cousins with Bruno. I met Eddie for the first time in 2021. I was able to go fishing with him on several different occasions. He's very knowledgeable with regards to the Monomoy area. He's very knowledgeable with regards to Black Sea Bass and Buzzards Bay, and just fishing in general, really. And he makes some terrific rigs for bottom fishing, and he's getting into making rigs for albies and stripers as well. But he comes from a family that just loves fishing, Kevin. They've been doing it for a very long time. And Eddie's always been super excited to share what he knows with the My Fishing Cape Cod community. So I'm very interested to see how this interview pans out. Well, Ryan, I'll let you go. I'm looking forward to my conversation with Cousin Eddie, as I like to refer to him, who will be coming up right next after Ryan gets off the phone. But, Ryan, in case we don't talk to you again on the podcast before your trip, want to wish you a fun and safe voyage down to Costa Rica, and we can't wait to catch up with you on the show once you get back. Sounds great, Kevin. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch. Well, it's time now to welcome in our guest of honor on today's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. For those of you loyal podcast listeners, you've heard our good buddy Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi refer to him as Cousin Eddie time and time again. But yes, he does have a last name. And we want to welcome in our good buddy and proud MFCC member, Eddie Koyumjian, to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. Cousin Eddie, how are you today? doing great, Kevin. It's a privilege uh, to be on, and uh, I am really super excited to be on with you. Now, Eddie, along with your you know, longstanding relationship, your, fr- your friends and family members with Bruno Demir, 
who's on our podcast pretty much every week during the fishing season. You also operate and, and own Monomoy Tackle. And it, I know it's kind of a passion project for you. Uh, I want just to kind of introduce you to all of our members. I know they feel like they probably know you by now from all the times that Bruno, myself, and Ryan have talked about you. But I just want to give you the floor to kind of introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, talk a little bit about where you're from and kind of the family history and how you get into fishing. Sure. Well, similar to, to Bruno, I guess, my my family immigrated from Turkey uh, to to Massachusetts as well. And, and my father came over and was a carpenter and he obviously grew up fishing in Turkey. So my, my fishing passion really originates from him. And I've been fishing since I could walk. And uh, my father, his brother, my uncle uh, would go out on party boats or they would go uh, flounder fishing in places like Quincy Bay or uh, Nantasket Beach. Uh, and my brother, my brother Mark and I grew up doing that. And Honestly, we didn't know any different. We we fished. We went fishing with him all the time. And um, growing up, you know, I was able to. I was fortunate enough to be able to, in, in my later years, uh, get a boat and fish together. And, and it really is a family affair. And, and fishing has always helped me kind of be grounded in my life and uh, spend time with my family. And, and now. Uh, being fortunate enough to have some kids of my own, it it, it allows me to uh, connect and do some life teachings for my own kids. Now talk a little bit about monomoytackle.com. I know it's it's fairly recent and fairly new. It's something that you had been kind of working on in the background for a couple years now. Bruno had been talking about these great jigs that you had been making and that you had been providing him. And he, honestly, during his fishing reports on a weekly basis would be referencing the monomoy tackle jigs but now that monomoy tackle.com is, is kind of up and running and, and off and going talk a little bit about kind of how that dream of yours or how that passion came to fruition sure i have to go back a bit again back to the family so my my father's brother nick he was the technician in the family and tied all of our our rigs when we were fishing he really wouldn't let anybody touch anything and I watched him and learned uh, some stuff from him. And, uh, you know, as, as time went on, I sort of took over that responsibility for, for my dad, my brother. And uh, when I reconnected with Bruno, I started, you know, at the beginning of the season, giving him uh, some hand tied rigs. And it's primarily started as, as bottom fishing, uh, high, low rigs, uh, bottom fishing rigs, and then also, um, you know, there, there were some jigs that, uh, some lead jigs that I had been using, that my brother and I had been using, that we uh, grew very close with and slowly kind of started to, to give to him as well. Uh, as far as the Monomoy Tackle itself goes, it was always in my mind, and the, 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 the story is on the forum, actually, where I joined almost a year ago. Uh, to my fishing Cape Cod, and there was a post by uh, forum member Rick Landry saying, uh, you know, someone should start a cottage industry uh, tying teasers or, 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 or tying hooks. And I read that, and I said, you know, maybe 
maybe it's time. And, and uh, as, that was sort of the, the sort of spark to actually formally do it. Hmm. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm happy that it worked out that way. And, and uh, I can't say I have strict goals for it. I mean, right now it is very much a cottage business. Um, it's my second job, really. But who knows? I mean, it's, it's very small right now, limited offer, but you never know. I'm not going to put limits on it. Now, you mentioned it was your second job. Tell us a little bit about your first job, Ed. So I, I'm, I'm a trained uh, architect out of school, and I worked in a firm for a couple of years and, and uh, had an opportunity to switch over to an owner's representative position working directly for um, a high-end retail uh, luxury company. And I, I've turned that, having moved back to Massachusetts, I've turned it into a consultancy. I've, I've got a small company with five employees and, and our projects are, are in, in luxury retail. We build uh, stores um, in a lot of malls around the country for our clients. It's, it's, a, it's a nice uh, little business on that end for myself. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a believer in small business. And uh, so that, that sort of architectural view or design kind of mindset, problem solving mindset has found its way into this sort of fishing venture um, and maybe knowing that maybe some some members who go on the site can maybe sort of understand why some of the rigs are the way they are or are put together the way they are because of that background. Yeah, I was going to say your background in kind of architecture and having that eye, so to speak, and going through the schooling you went through probably is, is definitely a benefit or an aid to you when designing and creating these jigs and lures. Absolutely. And I'll say, you know, the, the, the rigs, the hand tied rigs themselves are not, I'll say new or a revolution, so to speak, but they've been adapted to the types of fishing here that we like to do. Uh, I look at certain baits or certain colors that are common. And I, I try to put in my own um, interpretation or my own spin on some of those common everyday rigs. Um, and that, and, and that's really sort of the fun part of it is when you try to examine a problem and try to find, um, uh, either a solution, uh, either aesthetically in terms of color or something technical in terms of how to achieve, uh, a certain quality of, of not, or a certain presentation of, of, of the rig in the water. Uh, so I definitely say that my background definitely is, it does help with that. I know one of the things that we want to go through on today's podcast is just kind of, you know, looking at a fishing season, we'll use 2022 as kind of a blank canvas that we're going to look to paint upon today. And I think that's a good way to look at it and kind of walking through a season kind of in your shoes and and what you like to target during different types of the year and how your jigs are kind of designed and how you use them to target your favorite species of fish. And I think the place to start and what many Cape Cod and and Massachusetts fishermen really look forward to as kind of a light at the end of the tunnel after a long, cold winter is during the spring kind of targeting haddock and cod. Is that something that you kind of are interested in? That's kind of where you start your season, so to speak? Absolutely. I mean, we all wait all winter to sort of get our gear ready. And, um, you know, if we're, if, if you're a boat fisherman to, to get your boat ready for the season, or your gear ready for, for sure, other types of fishing. We, we count down the days to April 15th, uh, my brother and I, Bruno, and I'm fortunate enough where my boat, I have, I have a pilot house boat that 
allows me to start my season a little bit earlier. It's a 21 foot boat on a trailer. So I'm pretty mobile and we go to Marshfield to green Harbor and launch and go out uh, to the Haddock grounds. Mm. We're fortunate enough the last couple of years. And I know Bruno's talked about this in his own podcast. And we've been fortunate enough that the Haddock had been relatively close the last few years. Um, but some, sometimes within sight yeah. of uh, the Plymouth lighthouse. Amazing. And so, you know, four or five miles off the coast, the, the haddock have come in. And, and so that, that is how the season starts for us. And um, I mean, growing up, as I said, initially that, that fishery bottom fishing was a big, big part of, of my sort of introduction to fishing. So um, the initial offer of products, from Monomoy Tackle was actually these sort of um, squid skirted baitable rigs specifically for haddock. And we'll, we'll bring a handful of those in a variety of colors out and uh, fish those. And uh, it's pri- the beginning of the season is primarily bait. Um, there aren't that many dogfish around. Um, the haddock are pretty willing participants with bait. Um, we do jig for them as well, but um, on most days, when you want to, you know, fill fill the cooler and, and feel the rod bend after a long winter, the bait is the way to go. We'll do that for about a month. I know for my money, haddock is one of the best eating fish. I love a very nice, soft, white, flaky fish. Love haddock. When you're you're looking at these, the squid skirted teasers for the haddock, just back to Monomoy Tackle. Sure. Yep. Um, I know you mentioned you, you've got a variety of colors. Uh, would, what would you say over the last you know year or so has been maybe the, the more popular of the colors or two colors, if you had to name a couple? I'm very partial to the orange yeah. tones. Um, I, for whatever reason, it, it could be largely anecdotal. It could be specific to a type of bait or how the fish see the color orange at the bottom. I'm very partial to the orange. So there's, there, there's an orange yellow that's a very popular color and then an orange amber, uh, the amber being a bit of a brown. Those two colors uh, I personally use a lot and have been very popular um, at the shop. Uh, this upcoming season, I've added two colors. I've added uh, green chartreuse and uh, white glow. The white glow is uh, Bruno's personal favorite. And also talking about, uh, as we move through the spring here, one of the things I wanted to touch base with you on is sea bass as well. And I know you guys offer a variety of black sea bass rigs as well. Talk a little bit about your sea bass rigs. I know you, you also have them marketed as porgy rigs. I call them scup, <laughs> yeah. but everybody has a different name for, for that fish. But I spend a lot of my spring basically out in Buzzards Bay, and, and you can limit you know on, on sea bass, scup, and tatog if you really are in a, a popular spot, maybe around a boulder field in 20 or 30 feet of water, you can really, it's at Buzzards Bay is one of the unique spots you can limit in three species in not a very long time. Absolutely. And, and so if we sort of continue the rhythm of the season, at least for me, once the, the April page turns to May, as soon as the black sea bass season starts, we make a move to, uh, to Buzzards Bay. We generally launch out of out of Taylor Point and uh, head out. And for me, there's not many guarantees in fishing, but Buzzards Bay for black sea bass in that end of May, early June period is is as close as it gets. And there is a lot of product on the website offered, and and it's mainly because that it's a very um, 
very popular type of fishing with my family, with me personally. And there's a lot of different techniques that we use. Um, we, we do use a high-low rig with uh, soft plastic teasers that you can tip with bait. That's a very kind of simple, easy way, very popular with kids or uh, novice fishermen that come on my boat. I personally, if I had to pick a rig of choice out of the selection, there's a jigging rig that has uh, a, a, a jig at the bottom with a, with a teaser about 18 inches up. And for me, jigging for these black sea bass is, is, is amazing fun. I, one of the things you have to imagine is during their spawning season when they come in, some of these black sea bass are bigger than the haddock that we caught off a stell wagon. So, you know, the black sea bass, the males that are, they feed very aggressively and it's fantastic fun to feel the fight on a jig. And I highly recommend to anybody who hasn't really tried it to fish with a jig, specifically with an assist hook at the end. Um, it's great fun on lighter tackle and there's pound, I mean, for my money, black sea bass is the best eating fish out there. Well, you won't get any argument from me in terms of table fare. And I know your cousin Bruno, I mean, he loves them as well. You can't get enough of them. Absolutely. And looking at the website, I just want to say, I got to give you a credit for creativity because you've got your standard white pearl and you've got your chartreuse. Yeah, we've all been there. But in your pink, but I love the, uh, the red root beer, for example, or the green motor oil. I love the uh, creativity and the colors and also the names of the colors on monomoytackle.com. Yeah, it's, you know, I, at that specific product, the colors, the squids are from B2, which is um, a company out in California, mm -hmm. and they make a very popular uh, squid soft bait, and they offer a, a lot of different colors. And again, I, we, the website has selected, or I've selected, a, just a kind of sampling of colors that I feel work well here and represent either colors of baits or color tones that have just been successful for me. And, uh, yeah, the, the root beer, the motor oil, um, very, very popular colors, uh, for certain conditions. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the, the naming of, of the product, uh, you know, you have to be able to identify them one, one from another sure. somehow. And I'd be remiss, Ed, if I didn't ask you, and I, I don't want you to give away all your all your secrets, but we talk about these rigs and we talk about, you know, targeting uh, sea bass and, and scup or porgy or, you know, potentially tatog as, as they're often mixed in with a lot of these species of fish. And sometimes, I mean, even in Buzzards Bay, I've had days, honestly, where I've caught a striper or a bluefish as well, you know, fishing for sea bass. I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about baiting, you know, some of these rigs. I personally really like to use green crab, uh, you know, cut sure. the crab in half and kind of peel the shell away and you stick the, the, the jig hook or the rig hook, you know, kind of through the leg socket of one of the crabs. But I've seen people using mussels. I've seen people using clams. I've seen people using sea worms. Uh, squid, you know, is an obvious, an obvious bait. Talk a little bit about what you like to use and what you think works best for your jigs. For black sea bass specifically now? Yeah. Squid's really popular uh, because a lot of times you, you've you caught some squid in, in April mm -hmm. uh, and, and have some fresh on hand. But honestly, a really versatile bait is um, actually bluefish. Oh, that's great. You, I mean, I, Bruno and I share an affinity for eating the bluefish. We're, we're, we're 
um, you know, bluefish in our family will never be turned away sure. as table fare. But if you happen to catch one before you head out, uh, like uh, on the way out of Taylor Point, uh, that that channel is very active. And if you happen to to catch a smaller size bluefish on the way out, using a bluefish, it's it's a, it's a very durable bait. And uh, you know, a lot of different species of fish will will go after um, the 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 oil and and the scent of a bluefish. I have to say though, with the sea bass, particularly when they're in thick, mm-hmm. I have to really say sometimes the bait gets in the way. I yeah. mean, I, you can I, particularly with the jigs, they'll they'll strike the jigs without bait. Agreed. And, um, it's amazing when that happens when they're feeding that aggressively. Sometimes your rig won't even get to the bottom. I can't agree with you more, and one thing that I've talked with Bruno about and kind of chewed the fat over off the air of the podcast has just been, you know, if you're really targeting the sea bass, you know, sometimes the best way to kind of maybe cull through the other species that could be mixed in is is to not bait, right? Because if you do use squid, you're more likely to get, you know, perhaps a dogfish, a sea robin, or a porgy when you're just trying to really limit out on on sea bass. Yes, that's very true. Some of the biggest sea bass that I've caught have been on an unbaited jig by itself, mm-hmm. just down to the bottom, just kind of, uh, played slowly jig or, or, or some days a faster action. Um, I just find that the bigger ones hit, hit, hit the jigs on the bottom. And, and, and again, I, I kind of prefer using the assist hooks. Um, when I, when I offer the product on the site, you, if you buy a jig rig, you get the, the assist hook, the inline hook and the treble hook all together with the jig. You don't have to go out separately and make another purchase. Um, and the reason I offer all three is because I, a lot of people will elect to fish them differently. Um, I, I prefer the assist hook for, for the for the black sea bass type of fishing. Um, but you can take the jig and, and cast it with the inline and use it for striped bass and bluefish. Uh, you can use the treble. I, I know a lot of people are slowly moving away from treble hooks, um, but I do offer. But I do offer it. But certainly for the sea bass specifically, if you're looking for the bigger ones, uh, I would say the 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 jig the jig method is definitely the way to go. I would even say, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I'll, I'll come out and say it. I think the biggest sea bass I caught in the spring was I actually was I was doing something else on, on deck and and half paying attention maybe maybe untangling somebody else's line or something and I I threw I think I actually had a a Togzilla jig on <laughs> with no bait yeah. and I just dropped it down to the bottom in Buzzards Bay and we're drifting and it's just bouncing off the bottom as we drift out that end of the canal and we're just being pushed and repelled away yeah. from the Cape Cod canal. And it's just bouncing and dragging and bouncing and dragging. And I'm working on something, not even paying attention. And I'll tell you what, this sea bass hit it like a freight train to the point where I thought I had maybe snagged, you know, like a lobster pot rope or something. Sure. And I sure. think it was the biggest sea bass I caught all season on just kind of an unmanned, unbaited jig that was just bouncing on the bottom. So I think, you know, kind of we're onto something a little bit when, Sometimes less is more uh, when it comes to baiting. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I think it, it does depend a little bit on presentation and what they're feeding on that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other days where you have to create a presentation that has a bigger um, kind of presence, I'll say. So there, there are days where a high-low rig with 
um, a silicone skirt and a grub, like something that is pulsing in the water or is a bigger, more colorful presentation is what attracts them. So I, I, I mean, for me, like I have to carry a, a, a few different types of rigs with me, but if I have my choice, th the jig is what I prefer to use just because that, that fight of let's say a 20 inch sea bass on, on the end of an assist hook on braid on light tackle to, for me can't be matched it, particularly that early in the season where you're just dying to get, to get out and fish. And it, it, it's just great fun. And uh, for, for those listening, if you haven't been out to Buzzards Bay to get in on that black sea bass fishery, um, you know, definitely get in on it uh, to the point where um, I've spoken to Ryan about, uh, you know, we've talked about opportunities to expose the product or, or for me to be a bigger part of the community at MFCC. Um, we're going to organize a giveaway for that black sea bass season on my boats. I'm, I'm going to hopefully be able to take a couple people out to get in on that fishery. Now, moving forward into our season, we're kind of in May, yeah. you know, sea bass season. What would you target kind of up next? Do you dip your toe into the, the striped bass pool or, or what do you, what's up for the middle of the summer? I do. And so once, once the sea bass uh, fury sort of dies down a little bit, you know, your options increase dramatically once, once the stripers and blues and, and other species move in. We will dabble into vineyard sound over towards areas like Lucas Shoal for fluke. Um, we will go out around the Elizabeths for stripers. I will look at, uh, by then I've sort of moved further out on the Cape with my, with my boat and my trailer. Billingsgate's a really popular spot, uh, for me, uh, kind of swimming plugs or, or, you know, dropping jigs off of the, off of the, uh, kind of deeper part of Billingsgate. Um, and then of course there, there's Monomoy itself. Um, towards mid mid to late June is when I really, will sort of focus on Monomoy and be able to, what I kind of consider my home port of uh, Stage Harbor, I'll launch from there and be begin striper fishing and blue fishing uh, for striped bass uh, really in earnest out there. So talk a little bit about your experience, you know, fishing for stripers and blues, you know, out off Monomoy in the rips, uh, you know, as a Cape Cod Bay brat who's predominantly done most of his fishing on the inside of Cape Cod Bay. I know Ryan and I, as we've gotten older, uh, we've spent more time out at Monomoy, but certainly still rookies, I think, when it comes to, to fishing those patches of water. Just talk a little bit about your experience as someone, you know, who really enjoys fishing that type of area. It's a completely different way of fishing as, you know, as opposed to what I'm used to inside the bay. It is a really unique area, and um, I was fortunate enough to write an article about some of the techniques out there last year. And, and it's a it, there aren't many places where you can go and feel as though you're behaving like a shore fisherman on a boat, mm. where you're where you're casting um, a surface lure, a subsurface lure, or a, a resin coated jig or something like that into crashing waves. What, but you're not on land. Uh, and that's what it offers you. So Monomoy, there's a little bit of something for everybody. You can position your boat in front of the breaking waves. It really stem, stem the tide. You have to keep your boat in gear in order to stay in front of those waves. And you can cast back into the waves with uh, small jigs or surface lures and watch the fish 
leap out through the white water at at your at your lure. That that's great fun. You can also troll along along the white water line, along the rip line, and catch fish that way. Trolling as a as a method kind of gets some negative criticism about you know being oh well it's a boring way to fish you're not actively engaged i would i would challenge those folks to come out to monomoy and troll some of those rips it is incredible fun uh so they, it, it offers something for everybody and and the fish move from shoal to shoal so there there's also that sort of aspect of it where you have to analyze the conditions analyze what bait you may see on your screen or, or where the birds are headed. Um, so there's a little bit of, of a sort of um, some kind of detective work out there each time that you go where you have to read the conditions. I personally enjoy fishing Monomoy in the fog, um, certainly in overcast weather or light rain. Uh, I find that the fish are more aggressive on those days. They, they are a little less weary. There's a little less boat traffic. And I've, I've caught my bigger striped bass out on Monomoy on, in those types of conditions. Now, do those fish, when you're fishing out there, will they predominantly stay down low in the water column toward the bottom? Or do you, have you experienced a ton of you know, topwater action the past year or so? In those overcast conditions, I find that the fish are less shy about coming to the Coming top. up. Yeah, that's what I was just going to yeah. hint at. Do you see some topwater feeds or if you're... I mean, the, the rips are such that there's these kind of subtle changes in depth where it goes from 15 to, to four or sure. 40 to 20. And it's on those rises that I tend to, if I'm, if I'm trolling my boat along the rip line, the baits, whether it's a tube and worm or a plug or a resin jig or anything like that, those baits are being pulled in towards the rip. And you're, you're presenting your, your bait perfectly to the fish because the fish is waiting, looking up. And as your bait comes over the rip, it's, it's grabbing it, you know? So it's a, it's a really great way to use your boat and the conditions of the water kind of hand in hand to help you catch a fish. And, and it's another thing that I really kind of enjoy about fishing Monomoy is that you're not just kind of trolling in a straight line, just kind of waiting for a fish to hit. You're, yep you're you're working together with all the elements and it really is one of these situations where if you do everything right you'll get a hit i was fortunate to get out there with bruno and we got it was myself bruno and another one of his buddies and and we fished on a on a kind of a bright sunny day it was more toward the end of the day and the fish came up top and and we got three stripers you know three slot fish uh, you know, within 15 minutes, it was like hitting the lottery. It was amazing. One of the things I wanted to ask you about has the, I'll say the trend of, of guys losing fish to white sharks in recent years. Has that slowed down at all out there? No, I, I would say it hasn't. I would, I mean, losing fish to seals has definitely increased. I had a couple seal encounters right at the tip of Monomoy that frankly, I, I wish that the white shark was there and that I'd have yeah. the full National Geographic moment yeah. uh, to myself because so, I, I was so upset that, uh, you know, that the seal had taken my bluefish, which I, I wanted to use for fluke bait, mm. you know, later in the morning. It hasn't decreased. I mean, there, there's, there's white sharks all over. I mean, I have not personally had the experience of a, of a white shark taking a fish off my line, but they're certainly there. It just seems like every year, Ed, you know, whether it's on YouTube or on the, the nightly news, it just seems like guys in 
that Chatham, you know, Monomoy patch of water are just, you know, far more at risk, right, to losing fish and losing catch to whether it's, you know, seals like you mentioned or or white sharks. But one of the things you just mentioned too, where you were hoping that bluefish would find its way onto your deck to use for fluke bait, and I know that's another passion of yours, is fluking. And I know that it's Bruno's, like, you know, reason to get up in the morning uh, from, from talking to him for so many so many years now. So talk a little bit about your affinity for fluke and, and the different things that Monomoy Tackle has to offer the fluke fishermen. Sure. Monomoy, again, if you sort of look at the sort of traditional thoughts on Monomoy is that it is this fantastic striper and bluefish fishery. And it definitely is. I mean, I, I you can go there at first light and catch stripers for an hour and, and do really well. What I tend to do, Kevin, uh, from say June, July, and August is we'll go to Monomoy, we'll fish for an hour and a half and hopefully hook up and, and get stripers and bluefish. But then it's sort of a combo trip. I'll have gear for that and gear for fluke on the boat. And we make our way out to the outer shoals and Bruno has discussed them, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of detail on, on your podcast. Um, he talks about the shoals that are on the outside, great round shoal, little round shoal, you know, the edges of Pollock rip. There are these sort of pockets of drop-offs of these shifting sands that are tremendous fluke grounds. Mm. Again, I, I sort of, offer to the MFCC listeners that if you haven't gone out there or had the opportunity to go fluke fishing out of out of ways on the outer Cape on the outer reaches of Monomoy or in Nantucket sound, it's definitely worth the, the, the trip. Um, what, what's fantastic about that area is that you've got bait that's constantly being shifted by the current. You've got tremendous opportunities for the fluke to hide in these depth changes and you can go out there, cut your boat, turn it off and just drift. And the, the shapes of the shoals and the currents will just carry you drifting along and you could drift for an hour and not have to reposition your boat as you cross over areas that are very productive for fluke. Um, and not all the fluke are monsters. I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of sublegal fish, but a lot of keepers are caught. And uh, fluke, again, are great fun. They're a tricky fish to catch. They have their kind of, you know, quirks about how to catch one, but they're great. And I, I have caught fluke on a variety of types of rigs. Um, Ryan, actually, this year got some great video of a spoon rig that's tied on a three-way that I do, and, and the spoon has um, a silicone skirt and a grub teaser and you bait them and his video captures this amazing footage of the fluke kind of chasing the spoon as, as the, as the, the spoon is almost being trolled as you're drifting. And uh, the, the fluke find the spoon to be this really interesting thing that they, that they come after. I've also uh, caught fluke on high, low rigs that are either with weighted jig hooks or, or unweighted hooks. And finally, you can catch a fluke uh, on a jig like you would a black sea bass or a cod. Mm. Uh, my brother has caught some of his biggest fluke. He's, he's, he wants to desperately get into the 10-pound club uh, with a fluke, but he's caught some of his biggest fluke on a, on a jig that, that he has just kind of very lightly yo-yoed up and down off the bottom. Looking at Monomoy Tackle, 
you've got just big section of the the hand tied rig section is broken up into different fluke rigs and you mentioned the spoon series and you've got some deep waters and, and some grub ones and, and other types what's your favorite i guess go-to fluke rig i guess i i i'm gonna confess that i had not really used the spoon rig until a couple years ago i was very much a bit of a traditionalist i'll say and just did um a three-way uh, piece of hardware with the sort of spro bucktail on the bottom yeah. with a with a two-foot trailer, and then you know baited. And I, I, I sort of laugh when I fish with my brother and say that I will catch all the sublegal fish, and and he will catch all the keepers. And when I started fishing with the spoon, I noticed, for me anyway, myself personally, my my kind of catch count on keepers went up, and. I, I think in the shoal specifically where the drift can be strong and where these there, where there are these uh, kind of depth changes and movement of the water in the sand, the spoon, I, I think it has a lot to do with presentation and the, the fluke are just kind of drawn to it. And I, I have caught my bigger fluke. My, my personal best was caught last year on that rig. I mean, interestingly enough, Bruno favors, um, those little uh, high-low B2 squid rigs for some of the fluke that he catches. Um, I've seen him drop, which is in the black sea bass section, uh, as sort of as as, as as a matter of organization. He'll he'll drop that down, and he's caught some keeper fluke on that, which I sort of have looked sideways at him on, but he, because he he never tells anyone he's doing that. He just does it and, and catches fish. Now, as we go through, you know, the end of the summer into the fall, what other species do you like to to target? I know Bruno took his shots at tuna this year. Is that something that you give a try to? I have not acquired that sickness. It's recent. Um, it's a recent illness for your cousin, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, he, I mean, I, I unfortunately, this past year had to work a lot at my regular job and I couldn't get in on it with him. What I tend to fish for late, later in the season is if the weather, if the weather and ocean conditions allow We'll go east of Chatham to the shipping lanes for cod yep. and uh, haddock, which out there you're allowed to keep. And then um, when the albies start and they come out to Monomoy, I have I have um, personally fallen in love with the with the albie and bonito fishery out off Monomoy. Um, again, because there's so many different ways to catch them. I mean, you can cast to them. Um, I've actually grown quite fond of actually trolling for them high speed. Wow. Um, along the edges of the rips as well. Cool. That'd be something I'd be interested in doing someday. I've never done that. It is a lot of fun. It really is. I, because you're, you're basically, it, it's a scaled down version of trolling for tuna. Yeah. Um, it's a light spread. We generally fish two rods. Um, and it's either um, a resin jig that's kind of skipping along the top at, at five miles an hour, or um, it's a very kind of small plug with a, with a lip on it that, you can swim just under the surface at five, six miles an hour. Um, and you're, you're moving. I mean, you're moving it pretty quickly at that speed and, uh, you know, the bluefish can catch up to it, but it's, it's just an amazing hit on that tackle when a, when an Albie just comes in and takes you right back to the backing. So basically Bruno's out there fishing for, you know, school bluefin and, and occasionally He'll go out there and target the giants, and, and you're just trolling for the baby version of it. That's all. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, my my seven year old son is going to push me into the tuna game 
Yeah. And uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go very much further without uh, making an investment, so to speak, in into that gear. Uh, so it's coming. I've mm. I've I've held off mainly because it is a I, I feel it's a it's a big sickness. And as you as you hinted, it is an investment. You know, you, you need pretty much a whole nother you know setup, uh, multiple setups actually. If you're if you're gonna fish for school bluefin, you know most people will will do three to four, and if you have a bigger boat, sometimes up to six to eight different baits in the water or spreader bars in the water at the same time. Sure, absolutely, and and uh, I mean, I, I in a lot of ways, I'm kind of looking forward to it because it is a it is a way of fishing that I've never really done before. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I mean, the, the education is sort of part of the excitement, right? I mean, it, it's, um, and that's what's one of the exciting things about the forum, uh, or, or just MFCC in general is that there's, I've really enjoyed, you know, reading the threads on tuna and even things like the freshwater fishing that you see some, uh, you know, some members of the forum are, are writing about now. Mm. Um, it's just really interesting. I mean, the education of all the different types of fishing is something that, that really appeals to me. And if I do, kind of scratch that that itch of the tuna i i look forward to the to the sort of learning i tell you what people look forward to conversing with you and it's about time we finally got you on one of these podcasts (laughs) thank you so it's been great to introduce you to the folks in the forum and kind of put a voice to the name and and the cousin eddie moniker that bruno has been kind enough to give you and before i let you go just talk about monomoy tackle uh one more time just about you know, what's coming up in, in 2022, the site's up and running. It looks fantastic. Anything new in the works for 2022 for yourself, your boat, or monomoytackle.com? Sure. Well, there's there's a couple, you know, new products. I, I just introduced, actually, yesterday, a new bottom jig intended for cotton haddock with a, with a big 5-inch uh, squid teaser. Um, that is out on the site. Um, I'm working on a sand eel jig, um, a sort of small um, one ounce and a three ounce uh, size sand eel shaped jig in a couple different colors. Um, I'm working on two different shapes for resin jigs. I, I know resin jigs are very, very popular types of jigs for people to fish with. So I'm sort of looking at that and I'm, I'm investigating a plug. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure a plug is in the works for this year, but I've got some different shapes that, I mean, I'll be out at Monomoy with a couple of secret, secret plug shapes that I'll be fishing with just kind of trying this year. Uh, so th- those things are new. I mean, I'll, I'll look to add a few things each year as I get more comfortable, you know, kind of fishing with them and being confident that they'll work. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a bit organic. I mean, I, I, I love taking the comments and advice from from the customers uh some of the rigs have actually been developed just off of the comments of customers which is great so monomoytackle.com that's one way to get a hold of you you've got a, a couple connect buttons up there it looks like people can get a hold of you maybe via facebook or or email they can also find you in the forum right i am uh always active in the forum uh, i love reading about people's stories and and uh i like answering questions i like i like providing uh a little bit of input and uh, that 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 connection back to the membership has has been really really wonderful, and uh, I, I I can't I can't thank Ryan enough for for creating this environment uh, for people with with this passion for fishing. It's it's great. 
Well, it's also been excellent to partner up, you know, with folks such as yourself, Ed and Bruno, you know, other like-minded individuals who have, you know, the same bug that we all do. And we're all able to kind of team up and, and partner and, and help one another. And that's kind of the main goal of, of what the MFCC community is all about. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, what, what I think is really interesting about it, just about the, the variety in the membership is that, you know, it, it's about helping. It's about helping people catch fish. And tr- traditionally, the, the forum or I guess I'll say New England fisheries kind of focused on striped bass and, yep. and tuna. There's these sort of magnets and th- these other types of fishing of bottom fishing or black sea bass, squid, tatog, cod, haddock. There, it's what makes the Cape Cod fishery so interesting is that there's such variety. And if, if there's questions about it, the, the, the forum allows a great opportunity for people to, to ask basic questions, to say, hey, I'm interested in this type of fishery. And for people, in my case, for me to help people get started or to uh, tell, you know, give people an introduction or give them some basic information about where to go and how to fish for them. Ed, thank you so much for spending so much of your time with us on today's edition of the podcast. It was a true pleasure to finally have you on. And I have a feeling We'll be visiting quite a few more times over the course of this season, so it's great to kick off 2022 with you as our first guest. I hope you feel honored, and thank you so much for all you do for not just MFCC, but for the fishing community as a whole here around Cape Cod. Thank you very much, and I can only hope that uh, the winter goes quickly and that we can all get out there out on the water and uh, participate in this activity that we love so much. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Well, a big thanks to Eddie Kuyumjian of Monomoy Tackle for joining us on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. It was great of Eddie to spend so much time talking about Monomoy Tackle and his passion for fishing in general. Can't wait to get him back on the show later in 2022. I think he's going to be a key contributor to our 2022 podcast season. Once again, want to wish everybody a happy and healthy new year. And thanks for tuning in. So that's going to put the wraps on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. And until we chat again, this is your host, Kevin Collins, signing off. Tight lines and take care. Thanks for tuning in to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. For the latest local news, information, and fishing reports, be sure to log on to MyFishingCapeCod.com. From all of us at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and take care.